0: This is your girl, Yen Chantress, the Good Samaritan, out here on these podcast streets. Coming today, because I have a whole lot to say. This is Yen, aka Yen Chantress, and this is installation one of my impromptu podcast. These podcasts are inspired by the stories that I've been telling over the years, and you know, the way that they've inspired people to share about occurrences in their lives. And I just wanted to uh, do this and see what happens. Okay, well, the first story that I'm going to share is when I was a candy striper. I uh, decided that I wanted to be a candy striper and I um, wanted to go in and, you know, get this in my resume for I had great plans for myself as far as college and I wanted this to be one that would be on the list well anyway so I went to the hospital and you know was very prompt responsible professional even so that um those people that I worked with would make comment about how pleased they were to see how I had taken being a candy striper so seriously and as a result after months passed I would sometimes be given duties that the average candy striper would not receive like I would be given a responsibility to take documents or maybe certain specimens that are not normally given to candy stripers to deliver that I would be given that opportunity to do that. And it was told to me that I was being chosen because of these exemplary, you know, attributes and my worth ethic. And so, okay, I prided in that. And I love to hear that, you know, and it let me know that I was well on my way, something that I did naturally, that it was being appreciated in a professional setting. So I like that. well, one particular week I came in and the person that I would report to and I would get there to get my assignment every day told me said, "Look, I'm going to send you on the labor and delivery floor. And I want you to go and you know, help file these particular papers that need to be filed in this department." So, I was excited cuz I love babies. And I remember I had to take some documents and deliver them to a different wing on that floor. And on my way there, I passed the nursery. And the windows were open. There would be certain times of the day that those blinds would be open. And they wouldn't be open. But today, at this particular time, they were open. And I remember when I peered in. And it was as if something was drawing my attention on a spiritual level so when I looked in it felt like my heart was looking for something and when I looked in there were babies lined up but there was this one particular baby that just seemed like she was glowing and uh, I caught myself staring at her and realizing that I was there a little bit longer than I should have been so I gathered myself together and said okay well I'm going to hurry up and do what I need to do and if I can come back and double back and see her before I leave I'll do that just to look at her because she was so beautiful and when I went back the blinds were closed so I knew that there was only a short window that I would get to be able to look at her because eventually she was going to go home with her parents this was the protocol so the next day I was um told to go and do the same duties and I was able to go to that window and look at her and I remember I just caught myself staring at how beautiful she was and so I was hoping the next day to do the same thing and so I went back on the third day and she wasn't there and I remember I went and did my duties and I came back and I asked questions about her and You know, people couldn't really tell me much because they just couldn't. But I remember I heard this woman screech. This woman was yelling, crying for her baby. And it caused a ruckus on the floor. So the nurses and doctors and orderlies had to, you know, calm down the scenario and let other people who were on the wing know that everything was okay and I started asking questions as to what was going on and through my investigation and my relentless questioning I learned that this woman was the mother biological mother of this baby that I had been watching for the past two days and that she was an addict and they were taking her baby away from her I've never forgotten that that's what 40 plus years ago and I've never forgotten that scenario. And I remember I went home and I shared with my mom how it affected me and you know, she did as much consoling as she could. But I was upset, you know, that the baby had to experience something like this at such a early age and it bothered me, you know, for weeks. But as, you know, uh, well-rounded as I was, I began to level out and adjust. But I would always talk to my mom about this baby and wondering how she was doing. And my mother realized that it was impressing me. So she was like, you know what? She said, I'm surprised to see you this way. She said, but, you know, Earlene... Earlene was a close friend of my mom, and she was a foster parent. She said, Earlene has a little baby. She said, you want to go over and see the new baby? She's a newborn, and maybe this may, you know, help level out some of the emotions that you're having. And so I was like, yeah, sure. So we went to Earlene's house, and we pulled up, and remember we walked in, and... My mom was talking to her, and she was like, "Yeah." She said, "Uh, we should let Yen see the baby." And I don't know if she, you know, explained to her about uh what I had been experiencing. Maybe she did, but anyway, she was like, "Sure." So she went and she got the baby, and she said, "You want to hold?" And I was like, "Sure." And immediately, when I held her, it was like all those things that I thought my mother was thinking would benefit me to see this new baby was actually occurring. (sighs) I was, you know, a little bit relieved in my emotions to be holding this new life and thinking about what had happened a few weeks prior. And all of a sudden, something just in my gut says... Ask more questions about this baby, and it was like the baby was having the same effect on me that the baby did the first day that I saw it in that nursery. So I began to ask Miss Earlene questions. I was like, "How old is the baby?" And she told me, and it was calculated that this baby was the same age as the baby that I saw. And she started laughing. She's like, why are you asking so many questions? And she she was just amused and I, that I was so involved. And I was like, okay, I was like, so what is the baby's story? And she began to relay that the mother was a crack addict and that her baby had been taken away from her and they took the newborn and immediately placed it in Miss Erlen's care. And I began to get misty-eyed. And she was like, are you okay? And I told her that I was okay. And my mom was just smiling. She was looking at me as if she was just delighted by what she was experiencing through me. And I asked Miss Erlene, I said, was this baby born at University Hospital. And Miss Arlene said, yes. I said, uh, I've seen this baby. And I explained to her how I would go and see the baby and I felt this bond and she sat there. And I don't recall how long we were there, but all of a sudden, and I couldn't even believe it, And I don't even think that it was appropriate for her to do it. But for whatever reason, sometimes you have those moments to make a decision on something that will alter someone else's life forever. And she said, "Um, do you want to take her home? And I looked. I was like, are you serious? She said, yeah. She said, you want to take her and keep her for um, a day or so? And I looked at my mom. And she started laughing. She said, I'll tell you what. She said, you bring this baby home. She said, I'm not changing a diaper. I'm not fixing a bottle, any of that. I was like, oh, I don't need to do that. And she knew I would do it because I was just very mature and very responsible. She said, you're on your own if you do this. And I was like, I'll do it. And here I am, 14, you know, late 13, 14. This is 78, so I was 14. And she packed clothing and i took that baby home and kept her 2 days and then i took her back and my mom could not believe it she said you didn't ask me to do one thing she said watching you watching you go through this she said i'm so proud of you and we took her back home i remember miss erlene just smiling and i have to tell you this this was something that i did almost every other weekend if not every weekend in a month for 5 years that i would go and get this baby she grew up calling me her mama and it changed me i um don't know why miss Erlen said and allowed me to take this baby home but I'm sure if being a foster parent and they found out she would have been in some type of trouble and uh I'm just grateful that five-year process allowed me to understand an aspect of myself as being a female Not saying that just because I'm female, because some women just never feel this way. But it allowed me to strengthen and mature my nurturing capabilities. And I felt like that experience would help me to be the best mom that I could ever be. soon. We'll people this before and haven't you know experienced it personally it is something that is more experienced and understood than explained I'll give you an example and share a story as to that thing that has always been with me well I was seven and attended parochial school and It wasn't something that I enjoyed, but I excelled at, social social settings were an ease for me. You're still growing up, you know, you have to deal with those things that people deal with growing up today. Peers, those who bond with you, and those who seek to just wreak havoc that was all intertwined in my younger experiences at parochial school well there was something that would happen to me I would get this feeling in the pit of my stomach something that couldn't be denied because the more you would try to conduct yourself as if it didn't exist that gut wrenching would get more aggressive sometimes to the point of making a gurgling sound and it was during those gun-wrenching episodes that I learned that it was more of a warning for me something that I wasn't quite sure as to what was gonna happen or if there was some impending doom I would get this gut-wrenching gurgle in the pit of my stomach and it happened on this day I um, spent most of the day avoiding it and just hoping that the day would end so that I could go home and take a long nap and you know curl up in my mother's arms because she was often my refuge. So I spent most of the day dealing with this pain in my stomach and it was time to go home. And as I got my books and gathered them and put them in my, um, my satchel, the rumbling became even more intense and I knew that there was something that I needed to be very aware of. So I started watching the people around me. And uh, for whatever reason, my sister, she was known to have attitudes and she was delaying her meeting me because we would walk home. And I just got so tired of waiting. I just wanted to hurry up and get home. I decided that I was gonna walk alone, And I did so. As I left the grounds of the school, and you can see the children running around, going to the cars and meet their parents. So I'm walking home as well, going different directions. Well, the trip from my school to my home was a peculiar one. Right outside of the gate of our campus was a trucking company. And that was the way that I decided to walk home because I felt most How should I say comfortable? But once you got to the end of the block, you had to turn and there was a funeral home. I was seven guys and I had an issue with having to pass this funeral home. But it was the way that I chose to go because the other way just seemed a little bit more arduous for me mentally and emotionally. So I made the block. And right before I could turn, I could hear something say in this very soft tone. Beware. Be very aware. And I reached down in my gut. And I just tuned in to what was signaling me. Now from that point on. I was moving off of sheer intuition so I turned the corner and like I said there was a trucking company to the left on my side of the street with the uh you know where people would disconnect their freight and leave their cabs there for service you could smell the oil that they would put on before they would attach the freight It was a smell that I have never forgotten, and I can remember the color of it It was this red type of jelly substance that they would use. I've never forgotten it. Well, anyway, as I began to walk, something told me that I had to be on alert. No, I was used to hearing and feeling this presence. It was just something that, like I said, I knew intuitively there were no words heard, more so intuition. And it told me that if I were to come out of this whole trip home in one piece, that I would have to be very attentive and moved by what I was being functioned with. So I began to take steps and I could feel my heart racing and I looked up and there was this car and my first instinct was to cross the street and run and that feeling deep in my gut that intuition was telling me that was not the thing to do it was unctioning me to just be sensitive to the slightest of suggestion and if I were to do so I would be okay I know it sounds weird but I'm just giving it to you the way that I've always recalled it and as I got closer to the car I realized that the door was open and there was this middle aged balding at the top of his head pink skin male And he had glasses. And his pants were unbuttoned and his genitals were exposed. All of a sudden, the intuition said, When he comes towards you, I want you to sprint right and run as fast as you can. He got up. He came toward me aggressively. And I did exactly what my intuition told me to do. And it kind of took him aback. And I don't think he expected me to respond that way. And because of it, he lost his footing and he failed. And I remember I took off running. And I didn't stop, not even for the traffic that was ahead. There was a four-way intersection and all I remember saying was either I'm gonna make it through or I won't and I just ran through the intersection until I crossed the street and I got through one block and I got through two blocks and I was in my neighborhood I remember I was so out of breath by the time I stopped I crossed the street I remember that I had this neighbor this lady that I would speak to as I would go down the street and she came out and when I saw her I felt comfortable enough to stop and catch my breath and I looked behind me and he was gone I could see the car pulling off going another direction and I've never forgotten it She never asked me what was wrong. I don't know. Maybe her intuition alerted her that she needed to be right there at that spot at that particular moment. And she just knew because of that, I would be okay. I remember I got home and I shared it with my parents. I know guys, I was seven. And what's a seven year old doing walking home from school? That was something we did back then. And I learned quickly. I learned very quickly. And I remember when I got home. And I shared with my parents. I don't even know what they did. As a result of me telling them. All I can remember is. That when we sat down for dinner. I recall. That. The milk carton. That was sitting on the table. I became more aware that day we would have the meal cartons with the pictures on the side of missing children there was something new for us and I remember seeing that the first time it was felt petrified didn't speak about it but the images were haunting but today it was more personal because I looked at that carton If it had not been for my gut-wrenching intuition and the willingness to follow it, I very well too could be on that milk carton. I've never forgotten that day. The way it impacted me. The way it conditioned me in reference to this demographic of male. It changed me forever. And it set the foundation for a connection with my intuition.